Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for a powerful testimony, a story where you intervened and you changed a life. And through that beautiful life, you are continuing to change others. God, help us in our remaining time this morning to just truly, truly understand the power of our stories, the testimony that we have of how you got a hold of us, how we came to believe in the Lord Jesus, and how we continue to seek first your kingdom. Lord God, use your word, use Claudia's story, use our testimony this morning to change us, to transform us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our remaining time together, we're going to look at Acts, and what we're going to look at is very simply this. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul sharing his story. In the midst of trial and persecution, even facing imminent death, what does the Apostle Paul do? But he shares the Gospel. From his own story, he tells those who are his captors about what Jesus did in his life. We're going to read a long section of Acts today. And just spend the last few minutes just looking at what that means to us. We are in Acts. We are in chapter um, 21 all the way through 22-29. I'm going to read it for us. And please, just as you read it along up on the screen and listen to it, think in terms of what you just heard and your own story and how you would react to what is going on in Paul's life. It says this, starting in verse 27. When the seven days were almost completed, remember the <clears throat> from last week the vow that Paul was taking with the other four Jews, the Nazarite vow. It says, when the days of that were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. They cried out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. And some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. 
And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, Away with him! As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? And Paul replied, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. When he had given permission, Paul, standing on the steps, he motioned with his hand to the people. When there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict matter of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus, to take those also who were there and bring them into bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. But as I was on my way and I drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me, they saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, rise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and I came to Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, he came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on His name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I, I saw Him saying to me, Make haste. Get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and I beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Upon this word, they all listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not even be allowed to live. 
And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said the centurion, to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? But when the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Paul said, Yes. The tribune answered, I brought this citizenship. I bought this citizenship for a large sum. And Paul said, But I'm a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. The tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he was bound him, and that he had almost bound him. A lot is happening here, so let me summarize it for you and then get to the main point for today. Hopefully you're able to follow this, but basically what was happening was this. It's continuing from last week. Remember, Paul had arrived in Jerusalem, and he, he decided to go along with the advice of the elders, and he went ahead and he took that vow along with the other Jews. Remember, we talked about last week about how he was just engaging the culture. Remember? He was engaging the culture and he was participating in some customs to keep unity in the church and to keep the doors open for a witness. See, that was always Paul's focus and mission. So here he's minding his own business. He's finishing up this vow in the temple. And all of a sudden some Jews from Asia, probably Ephesus, where he had been, they recognized him. And right away they said, let's get him. And they started slandering against him, giving false accusations, saying he's a, he's a Jew hater and, and he's in the temple defiling the temple and he probably even brought a Gentile into the temple courts and it's defiled the temple. Let's, let's get him. And so they're beating him. They said they, dra- they dragged him out of the temple and they shut the door so no one could go, no more Gentiles could go in, see, and they're beating him. But then the tribune, the leader, takes his soldiers because he hears the uproar. The whole city was in an uproar. Can you imagine? And he goes down and basically, in God's sovereignty, rescues Paul through the Roman soldiers, see? Because he was about to be beaten. So they actually put him in chains and took him away. And as he's taking him away, it says, while he's on the steps, Paul says to the, the commander, the leader, he says, can I have a word? Can I speak? And, and he's surprised that he can speak Greek. And Paul basically and, you know, convinces him, let me just speak to these people that are falsely accusing me. So in the midst of being persecuted, he was just beaten almost to death and just barely rescued. What does Paul do? He says, let me share my testimony with these people. Isn't that amazing? That's what he does. And so all of, of chapter 22, basically what we just read, it's that testimony. And we had seen that before. We're going to see it again in a few more chapters, the same testimony of Paul recorded again. But here, Paul shares his story, his testimony about God, how, how God changed his life. He basically did it in three, in three things. He said who he was before Christ, how God changed him. And now, how is he living? How is he different? You see that? And he does that. Who knows how many lives were affected and changed? But that's what he decides to do. In the midst of his persecution and his trial, he shares his story. He certainly gets the attention of the leader. Right? 
And then he finally reveals, I am a Roman citizen. It just about saves himself from being flogged. If you know what that word means, if you've ever seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ, and how they tortured Jesus with that chain. It was chains. It was strips of leather and chains. And it had hooks made of bone at the end. And they would just whip your back. It would rip the flesh. About to do that to Paul. And he finally shares he's a Roman citizen and saves himself from that torture. But think about this. Why did he wait so long? You know what I think it is? If he would have said right from the start, I'm a Roman citizen, they would have unchained him and set him free. He would have never had the opportunity to share his testimony and to share the gospel. Paul focused on that first and foremost and his own safety and freedom second. Do we do the same? Now, none of us here can imagine have ever been in that kind of situation or probably never will be. We face maybe different kinds of persecution, but we all certainly can relate to Claudia's story and to our own stories about times of difficulty and trial. But in the midst of it all, what are we simply called to do but to share our story? There's so much in this passage that we can unpack. Some history here and some things that are going on in Paul's life and why is he doing exactly what he's doing? Why was he in the temple and what were they falsely accusing him of? But Paul, it was nothing new to Paul. He had faced false accusations so many times. Perhaps that's something that you've experienced in your life. Somebody may be slandering you, telling lies about you. We can think, would we react like Paul? Would we take an opportunity where a door is open and say, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus in the midst of trial and persecution? That's what was going on with Paul I want to just um, spend the last few minutes looking at a couple of passages of Scripture that speak to us about this. They'll be up on the screen and you can make notes about it. But look at what it says in Luke 21, 12-15 in relation to what's happening to Paul. Look at what Jesus says when He is warning His disciples about a future day of great tribulation and persecution. Look at what He says. Jesus says in Luke 21, But before all this, he's warning them, they will lay hands on you, they'll persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. Does that not relate to what Paul was going through? And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Can I read that again? That's what Jesus says. He says to his disciples, it rings true for us today. Whatever our context, being delivered up, being persecuted... He's saying to the synagogues, the prisons, before kings and governors, all for Jesus' name's sake. Being ridiculed, falsely accused. People saying, oh, you've joined a cult, or you don't know what you're talking about, looking down on you, maybe no longer being your friend. What does Jesus say in verse 13? This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds, Not to meditate beforehand how to answer. He's saying don't even worry about how you're going to answer your accusers or those who are causing trial and tribulation. He says, I'll give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You see that? When you share your testimony, when you share your salvation story with others, when you share parts of your life about how God 
intervened and rescued you, as you let the Holy Spirit lead you, it'll be God's words. Did you ever experience that when you're sharing your story and you don't maybe even sometimes recognize how you're saying it or where this is coming from, but God is moving in you to affect change. See, God uses changed lives to change lives. So Jesus is saying to them, this is going to happen, but this is the way you look at it. It's an opportunity to bear witness of Him. Trials are certainly opportunities to share our story, to share our testimony of hope and salvation. A few quick examples. Just These are people we know about from Scripture. We're all familiar Joseph and Job and Jeremiah. You remember the story of Joseph, how God orchestrates all these details in Joseph's life. Because of his faithfulness to God's promises, what does God do through Joseph? He leads Joseph to basically rescue his family from a famine, including his jealous brothers who had sold him into slavery. Remember what Joseph said, right? That those who had meant things for evil, God meant for good. That changed the course of history that Joseph allowed God to use him. It changed people's lives. How about Job? He says these famous words, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What did Job Job lose? Only his houses, his riches, his cattle, even his own children. He still continued to praise God and share his witness and story about his faithfulness to God, right? Even beyond the physical loss that Job endured, he had to deal with friends who accused him, falsely accused him, and even a wife who told him to give up. However, Job continued in the midst of trial and suffering and loss to maintain his trust and his faithfulness in God for all to see. People around, they're watching you. And we know it. You know, it's often said, we used to have a, I used to have a plaque on my my desk, my old office, and it said, people may doubt what you say, but they'll believe what you do. Are we living out our stories? Not only sharing them verbally and taking those opportunities to tell people our story about how God rescued us and share the gospel through that, but are we then living out our testimony, the people for all people to see. Jeremiah, what a great example of how we might not often see God's plan, of course, but our call is to just be faithful. Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He cried and he grieved so much for God's people, but they were still unrepentant. They continued in their sin, even though they were warned. Through Jeremiah's trials... Even though they weren't physical in nature, he suffered great spiritual anguish because of his uh, love and devotion for the people of Israel. In the end, they still refused to listen to the warnings of God through Jeremiah, but he remained faithful. The Bible is just full of people that give us a great testimony, including here in our passage today in Acts, the Apostle Paul. What does he do in this testimony? We're not going to reread the whole thing. But the first thing he does is he finds a common connection. At the very beginning when he gets this audience and he shares with them, he's basically saying, look, I'm a Jew. I I was like you. I was the greatest persecutor. He was saying, I know how you feel. 
a few years ago, I would have been just like you. He goes, I was the worst of them or the best of them, if, right, from their point of view. He makes a connection. Right away, he's getting their attention. He speaks in the Hebrew language. There's those that are then, okay, they're listening. There was a great hush, it said, over the crowd. And he finds a way to connect with them. Do we do that when we share our story? Remember last week we talked about engaging the culture and having the great freedom in our Christian liberty to go and to, to live out the lives that God has called us to live and to meet people where they are. Are we willing to find connections with people? Like Paul just did and he said, I'm a Jew. I used to persecute people just like you. Persecute the people of the way. He gets their attention. But then as he's sharing how Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and changed his life, he keeps his focus on Jesus. When we share our story and our testimony, we need to continue to put the focus back on him. It's not about what we've done, of course. It's not about great things that we did or how we came to know, right? It's about what God did in us. God changing our lives. That's what Paul does. Paul does. He keeps pointing it back to Christ. He then describes the changes in his life and what he is doing now. So he identifies with the people right where they were and he showed how Christ worked in him and he revealed how he was then different because of him. I want to end by giving you three passages of Scripture. They'll be up on the screen. You can write down. I suggest you write down the references at least. These will help to then bring into focus everything that we see Paul talking about in him sharing his testimony during a time of great tribulation. 1 Peter 3.15 It says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But yet do it with gentleness and respect. What a great verse, right? He says, always be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for what? For the reason of your hope. To people look at us and say there's something different about them. Remember last week we talked about as we engage with the culture, we don't want to be so legalistic that we're separated from society but we also don't want to be so worldly right that there is no difference that we have nothing to offer to people but the idea here is that he says be ready to give a defense of the hope that is in you do people see there's a hope there's a change when claudia went back that morning to the class the professor noticed right away there was a change there was a difference in the way that she was acting, the things she was saying, the way she interacted with her classmates and the Scriptures. Is there something different about you and do you let it show? Matthew five fourteen to 16 says, You are the light of the world and you're a city set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others so that, so that they may see your good works. Then give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Even as they see you living out your testimony and doing those good works, all glory goes back to Him. That is called living out your testimony. Being a light to the world around you as you share that hope that was, is within you 
at every opportunity, even especially during a time of trial and struggle and suffering. Finally, Psalm 40, 1-3, one of my favorite psalms. I've quoted it often. It says at the very beginning, gives a great picture of what God has done for us. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, He heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. And He made my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. So many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. You see what the psalmist is saying? He's sharing his testimony. I was in the pit of destruction. And God heard my cries. He rescued me and lifted me out of the pit. And not only did He rescue me, He set my feet on a firm foundation. And then what did He do? He put a new song in my mouth, the psalmist says. A song of praise to our God. Why? So that many will see and know and come to know the Lord. You see that? God has put a new song in your mouth. You have a story to tell. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. Are we telling that story? Are we singing our life? Are we being like the psalmist and saying, I have now because God rescued me. I have a new story to tell. And I'm going to tell it and be ready to give an account of the hope that is within me. Because I'm a light in the world now. And a light can't be hidden. God lit that light in my life and now I don't want to hide it under a bushel. But I want to put it on a stand for all the world to see. To see me know. To see the Lord Jesus Christ. And why? Because then God gets all the glory. So He's given us a new song, a new story, a new tale to tell. But you know what? What is our call to do is simply share the story. Share your story. Share your testimony about what God has done for you. It's been said that only God can turn a mess into a message. Or a test into a testimony. God seriously and simply uses changed lives to change lives. Let's pray. Father, as we close our time together, we recognize that You want to continue to use us. To use us in our lives that have been transformed and changed. You want to use us to change other people's lives. Not in what we do, but what You do through us. So Father, would You please continue to give us that wisdom, to give us that discernment, that courage that we need to share our story with all those You bring into our lives. God, may we be ready to always give an account of that great hope that we have. A hope in this life and in the life to come. May you get all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.